0: The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Amen. Amen. You know, I I am a firm believer, and we say say this a lot, that God's just not done with you. Do you believe that? You know, sometimes we th- we think about like, man, God want God has more for you. God wants to do more, and we think about the events, we think about the church services, the 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 conferences, the 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 big things. But I believe with all my heart, and this is where we have been studying this this the last few weeks, and we're going to continue that the big things, the biggest things that God wants to do in your life are not in the big events, but in the faithful small steps every day. And uh, and so we're going to explore that a little bit. Um, Further today, but okay. So you guys know what the word and I, this is the word. I think I've used this maybe before, but it, it, it just it gets used at our house from time to time. The word cringy. You know what the word cringy means? Dad jokes are cringy. Okay, cringy from what? How I best understand it is those things that make are just like so bad that make you just go like oh like that. You know, um, really cheesy. Acronyms. I'll tell you what, growing up, anybody grow up in the in the church in the 80s and 90s? Oh man. The church in the 80s and 90s was so good at cringy acronym cliche stuff. Oh my goodness. You'd take a brand and add Jesus-y stuff to it. Oh my kids would call that cringy, okay? Um, there's there was a there's an acronym that came to my mind this week that I just thought, it just it just it made me chuckle. How many guys have heard? the acronym for Bible, B-I-B-L-E. Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. <laughs> Anybody heard that one? You got to be a Christian child of the 80s and 90s for that one. Um, I think it's funny. Um, and you know, I've, I've preached sermons and I've done some teaching and used that illustration that the Bible is um, our, you know, our instruction manual, you know, that kind of thing. And you know what? I think I think there's some truth to it. I I do think, I think there's some truth to it. But here's the thing. When I think of instruction manual, right? Like, okay, I'm just going to lean into the stereotype, right? The whole like guys never read instructions and ask for directions thing. Okay. And uh, how many guys like, I am a reason for that stereotype. Anybody willing to admit that? Like, I'm just, okay. Okay. It it holds. It holds. Um, But, you know, I I can think of, I know we don't have one of these here, but this place is notorious for it. Ikea. Have you ever bought something from Ikea that comes in like a thousand pieces? You have to assemble it. Yourself. It's dirt cheap because you have to build it yourself, basically. Um, Walmart does the same thing, right? I buy a bookshelf and it comes in a box like this big. And you're like, wait, what? And they give you this tiny little Allen wrench that gives you hand cramps, right? You know what I mean? Like you're like, put together this entertainment... Or, nobody has entertainment entertainment for the front row children, entertainment centers are where you used to put big things that gave you media with lots of wires. Now, anyway, we don't have those anymore. Bookshelf or a crib. I've put a lot th- together a lot of, put it together yourself with those tiny itty bitty Allen wrench things, right? But you look at the picture, like it's a bookshelf. How hard can this be? Right? And so you, you start you're like, oh, I can figure this out. All these people used to go here and you start wiring. And then all of a sudden you're like about halfway through, AKA like three hours later, and you're like, I have extra pieces, and this part doesn't fit, and where do these screws go? Anybody been there? Anybody been there, right? And so you hate to do it. You make sure nobody's looking. If you're married, you're, your wife and your kids are not in the room, and you're like, where's that manual, right? You go, you go find that manual, and you flip it open, and go to the table contents, and okay, we part, okay, da 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 found, okay, there, you know, oh, I see what I did. All right, then you go like put it back in the box like you never used it, and then and you go and you follow the manual, follow the instructions. And guess what? You get a finished product. But here's the deal. So when we talk about like the Bible is our instruction manual for life, I, I think there are some aspects of that that are true, and we'll look at that a little bit. But I think the, the problem with that statement is that it really kind of oversimplifies it just a little bit. Because if I'm going to look at the, the, the owner's manual, right? If I'm going to look at the instruction manual, let's say, you know, it's one thing if my bookshelf isn't fitting right, leaning a little bit sideways and missing some shelves, but what if, my, what if my marriage is leaning a little sideways and missing a few shelves? You know what I mean? Like, like what, if, what if my finances are crumbling apart? What if my relationships around me are, are struggling? And i would be like, oh, okay, the instruction man. Okay, let me just open this up to the table of contents and find broken marriage. Okay, it's, uh, you know, section 10.03-A76. Okay, and okay, let me just uh, do some tweaks. And voila, my marriage is fixed. doesn't exactly work that way, does it? Here's the thing. Is this an instruction manual? Oh, yeah, you, you, you could say that it kind of li- like that, but listen, it's an old instruction manual. In fact, it, it it actually wasn't written in English. It had to be translated. It wasn't written to people who lived like me in the modern world. It wasn't written to people that lived on this continent. It was written the most recent part of it was written, like, mm, ballpark, 2,000 years ago. That's the new stuff. Uh, and it goes much, much older. Uh, it, it was written to people who, who had a very, very different life, different culture, different backgrounds. Now, some of you are like, already going, like, wait, where are you going with this? There's never been a book written that is more relevant to my life today than this one right here. More relevant more significant, more impactful, more life-changing, but to simplify it down to an instruction manual is just a little bit reductionist. You know what I mean? Um, So what happens sometimes is we take this, this is my instruction manual for life concept, and then we use it like we would that IKEA instruction manual. Oh, I got a problem. Let me see if this can fix it. And so I just want to challenge us You know, you know, I said like, like if we're going, if we want to see God do significant things in our lives, man, come to church because God shows up when we gather together. He just might speak to you in a way that he hasn't all week long, but you know what? Are you listening through the week? Are you, do you know what, this is a real question you shouldn't feel guilt regardless of what you're, do you know what to do with this? So I think there's a lot of us that, like, like we love the, the, the idea that this is the most important book to me. Like, there are thousands, probably millions of people on this planet right now that say this is the book by which I live my life who have not read it. We've got to just let that sit in. Okay? So, wh- so, so here's the thing. Is it an instruction manual for life? It's probably more accurately an instruction manual on God and the human condition. Just so happens I'm a human and there's a lot of I can learn about my condition. And uh, so here's, here's where, we're gonna, where we're going today. We've been looking at Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. The verse should be on the screen here behind me. It says, This is what the Lord says stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is, and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. It was written in a time when, when Israel was, their hearts were far from God. In fact, uh, Jeremiah chapter 6 is, is really a prophecy of, of nasty things because of people's rebellion. And yet, in the middle of it, this one verse. There's no other. There's no other verses in that in that chapter, but this one verse that says, "Here's here's 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 your way around it. Here's hope. Here's the direction through. Like this is is getting bad, but let me show you the direction through. When you come to the crossroads, when things come to a head in life, ask for the ancient paths. It's it's not rocket science. What we're looking for, this hope and love and joy and peace stuff that's really the stuff that we're after more than the the money and the position and all that kind of stuff, the stuff that we're really after, you know where it's found? It's found in the ancient ways. It's found in that good way. It says, and walk in it. you got to walk it. You you don't just got to identify it. You've got to walk it out. And when you do that, you'll find rest for your soul. We looked at this last week, but I believe that Jesus is the embodiment of those ancient ways that Jeremiah spoke of. So we're gonna be we're gonna be diving into a variety of what we're what commonly known as just spiritual disciplines. We're gonna call them ancient paths, kind of leaning into this Jeremiah chapter six thing. We're gonna look at some of the ancient paths. What are the things, the actual tangible actions and things that followers of God have been doing for thousands of years that lead to the place that, that, that God describes as the fullness of life, of love, joy, and peace, of an easy yoke and light burden. These, this is all New Testament language. These are the things that Jesus is talking about. He said, this is available for you. Walk this way. Let's find those ancient paths. So, um, in front of you, we filled one of these out last week, but I'll reference it again. In front of you, we've got this thing, it just this ancient Paths on it. You can grab it if you want. Uh, if you filled one out last week, you don't need to do one again. But if you've thought about it, and, uh, meditated on it, and changed your mind, you can fill out another one. You can fill out a different one every week if you want to. Or, uh, probably more common, uh, you grabbed one last week, and then may, you may or may not have written anything down on it, and then you haven't thought about it again in the last six days. Uh, don't worry. Don't feel guilty. That's why we do serious, because I forget things too, Okay? So we are going to be walking through some of these ancient paths. So here's, here's we've just kind of uh, actually made one change a little bit. Um, there's nothing like, like concrete about the organization of these. These, these Bible paths, these Bible spiritual disciplines, uh, meditation and study, prayer, prayer and worship, retreat disciplines, rest, Sabbath, celebration, active disciplines, work, exercise, Ah uh, community disciplines, fellowship, conversation, confession, quiet uh, discipline, silence and solitude, abstaining disciplines, fasting and abstinence um, This is what we're doing with this, and this is just kind of get us thinking that's the main thing we're, reason we're doing this. Um, Think about it. If you haven't done this yet, think about it. What, which of those, which of those practices would you say are one of your strengths? Which of your practi- those practices would you say uh, you could definitely use some growth? And which of those practices would you say that's kind of a new thing that I'd like to explore? So keep this in front of you. But I want to let you know where we're going. We're going to be walking week by week through all of these different categories of spiritual disciplines. And um, and if you want to, you can take a, take a picture on your phone. You can hang on to these. We've also got some little yellow cards that have these lists on them right back there by the prayer basket there. You can grab that just to kind of look over them. Um, And we're going to be walking through these um, step by step, like, because I believe these are things that we see in Scripture, in the life of Jesus, in the life of Jesus' followers that uh, are pathways to experience the fullness of life that, that Christ came that we could live so now here's the deal our last week of this series we're going to talk about like making a plan okay because there's so much up here like could you imagine like okay here's the expectation do uh, at least one hour of each of these every single uh week right you would give up before tomorrow right there's a lot of options, and so we're going to talk about how do you put together a plan. You see, we talked about, Jeremiah talked about this ancient path, and we get this picture, right? Like, we come in through that narrow gate, and then then there's just this, this really straight path. But if, if, if I could play on this word picture a little bit, it's more like trails through, a, like, a state park, okay? It's not like it's a direction going to a single... Sp- space, but God wants to lead us on a path, and and sometimes it's more like spider webbing, right? You're going one way, and God's got you coming over here, and God's got you coming over here, and based on your experience, and what you've done, and what what you've, uh, just how long you've been a Christian, or how much you've practiced this discipline over the other, you're like, oh, here's a bike path, and some of you are like, I need training wheels, and I need paved path. That's what I need for this discipline right now, okay? That's okay. Others are like, Dude, that one's steep. Let's take it right now. Dirt trail, rocks, mountain climbing, let's go, okay? And that's how it is with the spiritual disciplines. Um, I remember the first time I tried to like work out that wasn't tied to like a sport I was playing growing up as a kid. I did P90X and Tony Horton was ripped and so I wanted to be like Tony Horton, okay? And I remember the first time Tony Horton's doing all of his little stuff on his little workout exercise thing and there's a couple of people behind him modifying the workouts. One of them's like modifying it up like, if you want to be a real man, do it like this, all right? And then somebody else behind him is modifying it down, and everybody, you know, if you're doing this video, are like, I'm not going to do that one. About halfway through the first video, I was like, nope, I'm on, the, I'm on the low level. I need to, I'm done. I'm not going to be Tony Horton. I don't want to be him anymore, right? I thought I was somewhere that I wasn't, okay? So now when we get into these spiritual disciplines, let me just encourage you, if you, if you step into one of these and it's hard, don't quit, just modify it because that's how you grow, okay? I remember the first time trying to run a long race. My first training day was like a mile. was Like trying to run 16, I ran one mile, that was day one. And that was where I was supposed to be because that's where I was. In spiritual disciplines, like physical disciplines, we gotta start where we are, not start where we wanna be or start where we think we are. That being the case, we're gonna talk about how these all fit together moving forward, but here's my challenge. Here's my challenge to all of us. Um, Don't get in such a race to start that we miss out on some of the richness of this. So this is is all I want us to do. Each week, we're going to take one of these categories. Just practice that this week. For you, maybe you have a regular time with the Lord. You have a regular time in your day where you schedule this. Hey, maybe, maybe add on to or maybe take a break from what you were doing and, and, and supplement or maybe experiment with some of the things that we're going to be talking about through this series. We're going to, we're going to learn and grow together. We're all at different places, but let's practice these diff- disciplines in a different place. For some of you, you, you don't really even have a time in your schedule. Listen, no condemnation, like, but we're just, this is where we're going. This is the pathway to the life of Christ. It's not something that just happens in a big event. It's something that we discipline ourselves and taste and experience every day. So wherever you are, ready or not, here we come. <laughs> uh, and we believe that as we walk through these spiritual pathways, we're going to experience the fullness and the life of Christ. Now, as if we needed like scriptural evidence that the scripture isn't important, let me just at least give you a couple, okay? We are in church, right? So let me give you a couple. Listen to what it says? 2 Timothy. So Paul's talking to this young, um, this young pastor, and he says this, 2 Timothy 3, 15 to 17. He says, From infancy you have known the holy scriptures. That's what it says, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That's one that many of us have memorized. But you know, 17, it's the benefit, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Man, God has a call on your life. You might question that, but I'm I'm telling you, He does. God has a call on your life. He's got things He wants for you, He's got things He wants to uh, deposit into you. And guess what? Your first stop is the scriptures, because it's in there that you're going to begin to be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We got to know the word. Hebrews 4.12, and I love this because this gives a whole different side of God's word. It says the word of God is alive and active. I think that's what makes this different than any other book ever written. Is that when we read the word, it's an old book. Like I said, it's originally written in in languages that I don't speak. It's, it's, It's written to a people who lived a long time ago on the other side of the globe. And yet the word of God, the spirit of God speaks through it every time I read it. Every time I read these words, it's God speaking to me. It's not just a dry and dusty book. It's alive and it's active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Let me just paraphrase that. It gets down to who we really are. It sees us in our deepest place. This word is critical. So, Again, no condemnation. Maybe you're like, ah, I don't have this. Listen, we're just learning together. We're growing together, and it's going to be good. So here's, let me just give you this, this really important tip. For the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at this. And so it's going to kind of have a little bit more of a teaching vibe than preaching even. Let me encourage you, take notes for the next several weeks. Uh, in fact, I think there's probably a spiritual discipline in there, in and of itself. Take notes. Because we're going to have a lot of stuff. Feel free. we got. have some notes. If you didn't come ready to take notes, feel free to pull out your phone. Take a picture of the thing to reference later. That is just fine. Um, but take notes because we want to be able to come back on this. We want to grow. This isn't just for one moment, like here and done. No, we want to grow in our understanding and ability to use this book well. Right? Right? All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk us through... I'm going to walk us through just some, just two different disciplines here when it comes to God's word, the discipline of study God's word and the discipline of meditating on God's word. Okay. Studying God's word and meditating on God's word. So I'm going to give, I'm I'm going to have a lot of kind of one, two, threes here today. Okay. So if you're taking notes, if you didn't bring note, uh, notebook, whatever, phone, tablet, whatever, take some notes here. Um, Here's the deal. Studying God's word and meditating on God's Word have two different goals. We need to understand that there's a different purpose for each one. Both are healthy, both are good, both help us grow, but they both have different goals. But here's the one thing that we have to understand above all of it. every single um, every single spiritual discipline, spiritual pathway, discipleship journey, however you want to define it, every single one has one overarching purpose, and that that is this, oneness with God. If you're pursuing a spiritual discipline for intellectual ascent, you're going to miss something. It's going to always fall short. If if you're pursuing a certain discipline um, because of the way that it looks, because everybody else is doing it, because you feel like that's what Christians ought to do, there could be some good benefits to what you're doing, but it will ultimately fail in what it's intended to do. And that is to bring oneness with God. So whatever the discipline is, whatever the spiritual pathway it is, whatever the ancient path might be, let us not forget the reason that we engage in these things is for oneness with God. You know, the two common, common, um, mistakes that we make is one that we're so flippant, right? There's one kind of camp that's like, oh, it's all about grace and relationship, and that, which, it, which it is, but, but we lean on that so hard that we never hold our feet to the fire and actually walk in obedience to the way that Christ modeled and taught us to walk. And then there's some on the other side of the scale that, that are so about the path. It's like, okay, I found the path, and I'm sticking to it. And they just walk at the path like this. Like, I'm going to get this path down so perfectly. And you never experience the life and the vitality of a life walk with God because you're so concerned about the path, right? And so there's this, this thing that we have to understand. This, this walk with God, it, there's a complexity to it. It's all about the heart. It's all about pursuing oneness with God while also holding ourselves onto the path, holding ourselves to a a discipline that allows us to grow in maturity and health. Make sense? All right. So let's look at the more specific goal of study. The goal of study, I think you can see it up on the screen there, is to find information for application. Okay. I want to study the Word of God because I want to learn you know, one with, with God, yeah, that's the overarching goal, oneness with God, but, but I, want, I want to be able to apply it to my life, and so I need the information. I need to know what it says. You can't apply the scripture to your life if you don't know what it says, right? So, so the, the, the goal of study is going to be information for application. I'm, I'm, I need to learn, and I'll be honest. So often in our Christian lives, and this this happens again, depends on what kind of church background you might have. Some lean one way more than others, but so often it's it's. Uh, many of us have up, grown up in in a in a Christian environment uh, that was so experience focused that we've we've lost just the reality that like I have to continually be a learner it's easy to come to a place that goes, oh, I, I, I know what the Bible says. No, 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 I don't. I mean, I, sure, I do. I've studied a, a lot. Uh, there was no time in my life where I realized how little I knew. And some of you guys could say this in any field that you were in. If you went to college, right? Like, I remember meeting a professor who wrote his, his like, 100-plus-page thesis on a half a verse of scripture, and here, I thought I knew something. I'm like, holy cow! I didn't even know. I didn't know them. I didn't know there was that much to not even know. Like, and and uh, anyway, we we gotta we gotta be humble when we come to scripture, because there's always something to learn. So let me give you let me give you three study questions. Okay, how do we find information and in application? We already said this is a this is a complex book. This is a the com, complicated literature because there's some steps that we have to do in order to figure out what's for me. So let me give you three, in fact, if you take any kind of biblical study, you're going to find these three in some wording one way or another. You can get way more detailed on this, but here's the basics here. Three study questions. This is what we're trying to do when we open up the Word of God for the purpose of study. One, we got to ask the question, what did the author mean? What did the author mean? Number two, what is the context? What is the context in which the author wrote? Number three, how can I apply truth to my life? So many times we jump straight to number three, don't we? We open up the Bible, only point straight to number three. All right, I read this, now how can I apply this to my life? Well, here's the deal. I'm reading about a person who lived two, two, 4000 years ago on the other side of the planet with customs and ways of living drastically different than me. I need to understand what's going on in, the, in the, the, the passage. Think about any just normal old book. Imagine you just pick up a novel and you just op- crack it open and read one sentence out of it and try to figure out what the book is about. That becomes challenging, does it not? Or how many times have, you, have, have we, we, we like dogged media for taking something completely out of context? They just took one statement and they rewrote. Who? <laughs> if we're not careful, we as Christians can be very guilty of the same thing. We pick something and go, what does this mean? But here's the deal, um, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. The question, what does, like, what does this mean to you, is maybe the worst question that is ever asked about anything read in the Bible. Um, if, I'm having, if you and I are having a conversation, okay, and there's something I didn't understand, what would you like me to do? One, Ask you to clarify your intent in that statement, or two, do you want me to tell you what I think you mean and then just run with it? It's a no-brainer, right? A conversation. The point of the conversation is to understand intent of the communicator. When we come to scripture, when we read it, we don't just instantly say, "Well, what does this mean to me?" Who cares what it means to me, friends? You shouldn't really care what the text means to me, Sean Swihart, because it's irrelevant. What's relevant is what it meant when the original author wrote it. That's what matters. Because that's where truth is. Because I can interpret this any way I want to. In fact, you, you can. That's why we have all these different, like, weird religions that are loosely based on scripture that are so far from the gospel, is because we can take one little verse and make it say whatever we want to. In fact, I could. I could preach sermon after sermon that... that argue for the opposite things, and I could say that the Bible is the, the reason for it. It's not that the Bible is contradictory, it's that we haven't done the study to understand what did the original author mean. And then only we understand what the author mean, we got to understand what the context was, or the cultural issues in there. Now, some of you are, are listening right now and be like, oh, oh, I'm never going to read the Bible again. This is too hard, okay? Um, trust me, it's worth it. Number three, how can I apply truth to my life? how can I apply truth to my life? I'll tell you this, in the New Testament, we get the story of Jesus, the writings of, of the apostles to the early church, and then revelation. Revelation can be tricky because there's a lot of imagery. But those other two genres, the stories of Jesus and the letters to the early church and followers of Jesus on how to be followers of Jesus, it was a long time ago, but it's very much relevant to our lives today. There's a little bit more work when we go to the Old Testament but there's still rich things to find in there, okay? Um, we don't need to be afraid of this. Now, here's the deal. You can go as deep as you want. I've been talking to Arvin here. I've been talking to Arvin on Wednesday nights, and he's been in like an exodus for a long time. And uh, we're just, every Wednesday night after church, we're just talking about all the things that God is showing him and digging up in, in exodus. He's just lingering and asking questions. And uh, so anyway, here that's the process, the three questions we need to ask. What did the author mean? What is the context? How can I apply truth to my life. You can dig, like Argiven, you can dig as deep as you want. Right? But you don't have to, like, study the context in every single book of the Bible before you can understand one verse. Okay? It, it happens in steps. And we do it the best that we can. So here's three practices. That, that maybe I don't know where you're at right now with that, but let me give you how to do that. Okay? Three practices. We've got The three study questions, now we've got three study practices. Number one, read. Number two, write. Number three, research. Okay. This is a little simpler, isn't it? This is a little simpler. Um, Read. We know how to do that part, right? (laughs) Let me encourage you. Um, And even do this in in teaching, whether it's myself uh, up here or Beth or one of our pastors or whoever's uh, teaching or preaching, I reference a verse, write it down, read the whole chapter later. In your quiet time, read that whole thing. Make sure that what I'm saying is accurate. (laughs) See the context in it. Uh, if you have the time, read the whole book. It's fantastic. You really get the richness of what it is. So you can do it as broad as you want. Read the whole New Testament if you want to understand this one verse. You can really get detailed, but how about we just start with the, the paragraph? That's a good way to, play to start. That's my, general, that's my general rule of thumb. It's like, if there's a verse, I'm like, huh, that's interesting. Read the paragraph. B- make a habit of reading thoroughly, reading a little broader. And then number two, write. Write. Right, right. What am I writing? You're writing your observations and your questions. You're writing observations and questions. Um, because inevitably, you're going to come across things, listen, I come across things all the time, just so you don't feel like if you're new to this, I come across things all the time in the Bible, and I'm like, I have no idea what that's about, so i got to write down some questions. i got to write down an observation. So write those down. And then number three, research. In other words, find the answers, find the answers. Sometimes that's, you know what I do? I pick up the phone, I call my dad. Hey, dad, what does this mean? (laughs) Still do it. Uh, I've got some some tools as well that that help. Um, But read, write, and when I say research, it just rolls off the tongue real well. But what I mean is just find the answers. Oftentimes, the answers to the questions that you might have are actually in the text. Just back up a couple verses and you'll find the answer. Um, So... Three study questions. We have to get this. We have, when we come to study scripture, what did the author mean? What is the context? Uh, And how can I apply the truth? Now, when I walk that out, it's read, write, and research. Um, I was gonna give some some study tools, but ask me afterwards. I'll tell you about those later. I don't wanna run out of time. Um, But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Some of you, I'm boring to death you know what, we just have to learn how to do this. That's Sorry, we just just gotta learn how to do this. If you're bored to death, maybe you've been here before. Or maybe if you're sitting on the edge of your seat, you've still maybe been here before. You learn the truth, you know how to apply it, and you don't. Anybody? Anybody? Let's show of hands. Let's see, I I need some honest people in here. You've learned the truth, you know how to apply it, and you don't. All right. All right. All right. I'm not the only one. Good. Listen, there's a lot of true things in here that are hard. Have you ever tried to actually love somebody who hated you? That's in here. It's super hard. Have you ever tried to not be offended by someone or prayed for somebody after they insulted you? That's hard. There's some hard things in here. Have you ever had to actually turn the other cheek? Yeah, that's hard. There's some hard things in here. Have you ever tried to worship when all you wanted to do was cuss? Yeah, there's some hard things. in. some of you are like, okay, this is a real place now, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. There's hard things in here. Sometimes I do the study and I know the information, and I know the application, and I still don't always do it. Anybody ever try to give 10% of their income away? That mess is hard. We can just keep on going. But but what about, that's when we come to our next one, Okay. So when, when I've got the information, I've got the application, I believe that's where meditation comes in, right? So we, we study God's Word, and then we meditate on God's Word. Because this is what I believe. I believe meditation brings the inspiration for motivation. So we've got the information. You better write this down. It's all going to get jumbled up. <laughs> information for application. It's a study. And then as we meditate on God's Word, we find inspiration for motivation. It's when you have the information... You know what to do, but you're just like, nah. This is why we meditate. Now, some of you may like, hear that word and instantly you think of like New Age kind of stuff, like meditation. Are we supposed to be doing that? Like, listen, um, the whole New Age movement hijacked the concept of meditation from the Scripture. And let me just show you. Joshua one eight. I'm just going to read some of them. Keep this book of the law... Always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. This is Joshua 1 8. So that when we meditate on God's word, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, and then you'll be prosperous and successful. Psalms, Psalms filled with the first two verses of Psalms Psalms 1, 1 and 2. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or, or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but Blesses is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Psalm 119, the whole thing. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. And the whole thing is, is all David gushing about how much he loves the law and the promises and the precepts and the decrees of God. I meditate on your precepts. Verse 15, uh, your servant will meditate on your decrees. Verse 23, uh, I will meditate on your decrees. Verse 48, I will meditate on your precepts. Again in 78, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Uh, Verse 97, my eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. Verse 148, listen, he stayed up all night just to mull over the scripture because there was something, (laughs) that inspired him and motivated him to live it out as he let it come alive in him. Remember remember what Hebrews said? It is alive and active. So when we read it in the morning, good. Step one, when we study it and understand what the author meant and, and, and try to find uh, meaning and get the context so that we can know how to apply it Fantastic, but when we let that same word sit in us, that word is not stagnant, it is not dead, it is not old, it comes alive. And as we sit with that word in us, it changes my outlook. It's not law anymore, but I I, I see God in his word. And when when I allow his word to sit in me, when I, when I, when I take that verse and I, and I memorize it and I, and I I repeat it and, and, and I just sit in it and I I just meditate on it and I write it down and I share it with a friend. And when, when I just let that sit with, you know what I'm talking about all day, my mind is not fixated on law and application. My mind is now fixated on God and his character. And it changes my approach to living his word. So uh, let me give a few tips, three meditation tips. (laughs) That just sounds funny in church, doesn't it? Three meditation tips. One, study it. Now you're like, oh, we're back to the study thing again. Now listen, this is what I mean. This can be brief, okay? Find meaning, context, application. It can be brief. It can be short. The main reason we start with study it is just to make sure you're not running with it in a weird direction. That's what we're doing here. Read the paragraph. Make sure we're just not running in a weird direction. Okay. You guys have been around people who ran a scripture in weird directions, haven't you? It's weird. So when I say study it, or just like read it. Like If you're going to read a verse and you want to meditate on it, read the paragraph. Maybe even read the chapter. Get kind of a gist of it. That's the first place. You just want to make sure you understand what it says. Study it. Number two, repeat it. Repeat it. Writing. You're going to notice something. We're going to talk about this as we're talking about our, our Bible uh, disciplines, as well as our prayer disciplines, is writing is really important. I almost put journaling as one of these, <clears throat> and it could have. I had to draw the line somewhere, okay? Journaling could have made it in as a discipline in and of itself, but it is a supplemental discipline for a lot of these other disciplines. And I think a lot of people, the misconception is that I journal so that 10 years from now I can look back and see all the things that God has done. That's a cool benefit, okay? But most of the people I know who journal faithfully don't do that very often. Um, The reason that journaling is so substantial is it forces me to slow down and process at a speed that I can retain something. Because I can think so fast, right? Even if you think, oh, I don't think fast. I bet you you think faster than you write. And when I discipline myself in this fast-paced world to write something, not even type it, I can type faster than I write too, to write something, my busted pen grip, I hold a pen like that. So I get cramps. <laughs> but it's worth it because it forces me to slow down. And sometimes I try to practice riding with the right grip. Anyway, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, it forces us to slow down. Write it. So when I say repeat it, I mean write it out. Write it once. Write it twice. Put it on a sticky note. Put it on next to your speedometer in your car. And so that when you look down to you see your speedometer, you can read it. Put it on the mirror. Put it um, Take a screenshot of it if you're reading on your phone and make it your background. Put it on your fridge. Type it out. Write it out. Repeat it. Because as you do that, it begins to sink in you. Memorize it. I'm bad at memorizing. You know what a little trick? Laminate it. Cost you just a little bit. And then get some of that like ticky-tack stuff and put it in the back of your shower and just read it like three times every time you take a shower. You'll memorize it way faster than you think you will. How many commercials does it take for you to memorize the entire commercial, right? Um, Put it in you. Maybe it's a favorite verse. Maybe it's particular to a a certain season of your life. Study, understand it, repeat it, write it, memorize it all day long. And here's a third one that I think really solidifies it is share it. Share it. Text somebody a verse. Um, Email somebody. Have it in a conversation. Hey, I read this verse today. Share it with a friend. When you share it, again, a lot of these disciplines are going to overlap. When you bring community into your Bible disciplines, it is going to bring richness into that discipline. So, share it. One way or another. Share it. Study it. Repeat it. Share it. Anybody notice that sounds an awful lot like our soaping practices that we do with scripture? Anybody notice that? If you're not familiar with that, we, we, we've been encouraging this for the last about year or so. SOAP is an acronym. Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. And we encourage you to write that out in a notebook. I usually just do it in a half a page. Read a chapter, pick one verse, write that verse, make an observation about, about it, write down an application about it, and then just a prayer about it. It forces us to slow down and let the Scripture rest in us so that the Holy Spirit can come alive in us. Make sense? All right. So we've got study. We've got meditation. That's it for the, those, deci- those uh, disciplines here today. I just, before we go, uh, I want to I share one more thing. I don't think we have a slide for this one. Just because uh, I think it's important to understand not only what to do, but also what to look for in the missteps I want to share just three common mistakes. When it comes to the Bible disciplines, three real common mistakes, okay? Just so you can keep an eye open for them as you're going to dive into these things. One, um, you're too vague. Again, we talked about this earlier. What does this verse mean to me? Once again, who cares? Uh, What I'm interested in and what you should be interested in is what the biblical author means, right? Right? So be careful being too vague you know, when you sit around in your Bible study. Hey, what does this first mean to me? Now, don't get me wrong. There's a time and a place to say, hey, we studied this. We, we see what, this, what the author was saying and the context that he was saying it. Now, how does this apply to my life? That's a good question. Do you see the difference? That's a good question. How does this apply to my life? But we can't say, what does it mean to me? Because the meaning doesn't change based on my reading of it. Okay? So make sure that you, you, can, you can bring the application but don't make it so broad. Even in your meditation uh, kind of side of things, be careful there. Um, how does this apply? Not what does it mean? Number two, we can become too detailed. Uh, just because I knew I'd forget this. Right. Okay, just a quick, just practical thing. Uh, you know what a hominy is? It's a word that's the same. Spelled, written the same, sounds the same. But... Um, has two different meanings. Like the word address, like it's the place that I live and I'm now currently addressing you. Uh, like the word uh, arm, part of the body and a division of a company. Uh, how about band, a musical group and a ring? Now, just those, those examples, let's, let's take, let's take um, uh, or how about this one, uh, bat, an implement used to hit a baseball, a nocturnal flying mammal. Okay, now, now let's, let's see here. That one right there has two different meanings, right? A bat, baseball bat, and a bat, one that, like a flying rat. okay? Um, that's what it is, right? Uh, now, have you ever heard a a sentence? constructed, maybe, maybe there's a joke somewhere with a double meaning. Have you ever heard a sentence constructed where you were trying to use the word baseball bat, but you wanted to intend a double meaning that also meant the flying rat bat? Have you ever had a sentence? Ever spoken or read one in your life? No, so I haven't, maybe you have, I don't know. Um, so here's what we need to be careful. Here's a really common Bible study error that I see. From time to time, you'll, you'll go, you'll learn how to use some Bible tools. I learned to find this word in the Greek, and I learned this little tool. Um, and again, I'm for real. If you're running out of time, otherwise I'd share some of my favorite tools with you. Ask me afterwards. I love to talk about it. Super simple, super easy tools that you can to, to learn to give you some context. But you start to learn a little bit of those tools right and you're like oh i learned how to find this little lexicon i clicked on this little button on my computer and it showed me what the greek word means and it means um this flying rat or something that you use to smack a pinata or a baseball and here's what we do like let's say this is the bible we'll go uh, we'll read, read something in the bible and it uses a certain word and let's say the word they're trying for is baseball bat the word's the same as this other one right here. And so this is what we do in the, when in, well in the Greek, this word translated, this also means this therefore, and then you start running with these weird meanings of things that have the, it's the Greek is not like some mystical spiritual thing. It's just a language. Be careful that we don't dive so far in that we start pulling meaning that was never intended to be there out of the text. Does that make sense? Um, there's probably more of us that fire our common errors, we get too vague, but there's some of us, those detailed people, they love to dig in. Remember, hominy, <laughs> when you're in Greek and Hebrew and, and, and the biblical language as well, just be careful. And it's not just in those types of things, but we, we, we're digging to, we want to go deeper in the scripture and sometimes in going deeper, we miss the obvious plain text and we start inventing meanings that was never intended to be there. Um, I, I heard, I've heard all kinds of crazy things. Um, yeah, turn the other cheek. I heard somebody Based on the biblical definition of turning the other cheek, when you, when you study that, the turning of the other cheek would have actually been an insult in that culture. And so when you turn the other cheek, it wasn't just um, being non-defensive and not attacking back. It was actually a statement of insult. Like open your eyes and read the rest of the text. <laughs> Jesus is saying, "Go an extra mile. Turn the other cheek. Give to somebody your your jacket, your 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 shirt if they ask for your jacket. Like go be above and beyond. If they slap you in your face, insult them. <laughs> Just be careful that we don't read more into the scripture. Sometimes we do it on purpose. We're looking. I don't want it to say that. Sometimes we do it on accident." So we get carried away in some of our other things. But let me come back. Let me come full circle, okay? I just wanted you to have some practical things that we could go and do this week. Let's remember this. This word is alive and active. It has the power to radically transform your life in the best ways possible. When you read this word, listen. When you read the word, it is as if the the words of God were being spoken into you. Let's study. that so we can understand and apply it to our lives. Let's meditate so we can allow God's word to just sit in us and motivate us into action. Because Paul says it this way, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? the renewing of your mind. Friends, there's no better place to start renewing your mind than in the word of God. It says then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Next week, we're gonna talk about prayer. And God, I believe God will speak to us about specific things in our life time and time and time again. But let's not take the, the like the cheap and easy road like sometimes we want to know God's will for our lives and we just want to take the shortcut God I'm in trouble and I haven't read the word in months but I need an answer like in the next 20 minutes so here we go God deposit it right into me he probably would have loved to spent the last month with you speaking into you teaching you his ways and guiding you step by step into the directions that you need to make Be transformed by the renewing of your mind and you will know the will of God. But it's easier to show up to church for an hour and a half and go to service. Ask for the ancient path. Ask where the good way is and then what? Walk in it. So today was very practical. Now, we need to go walk in it. Let's practice it. So, who's with me? We're going to study and meditate. Listen, all I'm asking, listen, I'm not, I'm not asking for a rah! Okay, this is what I'm asking for. Just commit like 15 minutes this week. 15 minutes to study the word of God. Pick one passage. 15 minutes to just meditate on it. Maybe it's the same passage. But would we prioritize God's word this week and walk in it? Father, we thank you that you have laid these pathways for us, that you communicate to us through your word, that you will transform our lives, yes, in moments, and we thank you for that, but more commonly and more normally through the step-by-step, day-by-day, walking the path of Scripture, so, Father, may we be a people like, like, like those Christians in that, that first church, Lord, that they were devoted to, to, to your word, to learning, to growing, to the teaching. God, we want to be the same way. We want to grow. We want to see the fruit. We want, to, we want our lives to be full like you've come, that they would be full. So, God, we thank you for your marvelous, incredible plan and the, access, uh, the accessibility Of these paths God you're good we're committed to you in Jesus name Amen Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church feel free to share this audio with others but please do not alter or edit the content in any way for more information about Crossroads please visit lincolncrossroads.com